You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We are not going to discuss Jimmy Graham at length on the show today because we already spent time when the original report came out with the rap sheet tweet last week saying the Packers were set to cut ties with Jimmy Graham. Adam Schefter confirmed that report. And even as of this minute that you're listening to this, it could be the case that the Packers have already released Jimmy Graham, freeing up $8 million. If you missed that show last Friday, go back and listen to it. I, I recommend doing that. Plenty more to talk about in terms of what the Packers could do at the tight end position because that's one of the topics we're going to talk about today. Before we get into that, I, I just want to remind everyone, you know, I, I took a little bit of heat from some people about, you know, the the stance I, I took against the NFL and, and their lack of response to what's going on with COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And it's gotten to a point now, even just, you know, mere hours later, really, that this has gotten much worse. People need to be taking it seriously. The NBA has now postponed its season. This is incredible, uncharted waters for professional sports. An NBA player has tested positive, in part because the league continued to play. And the NFL, if it is a slow mover on this, is going to put players at risk. I don't want us to spend too much time on it because we don't have that much more information about what the league is doing and what the Packers are doing. I wrote about what the Packers are doing, particularly as it relates to what the state is doing, what Green Bay and Brown County are doing. I wrote about that for Packer Report yesterday. Go read that piece. There's not groundbreaking information in there, but it'll give you a little bit more understanding of how this is all going to work if if decisions are made, why they could come from the Packers, and, and why they could come from Brown County, why the decision might be taken out of the hands of the Packers, especially for something like the Hall of Fame dinner, which is still going on reportedly by me. I'm reporting that next month <laughs> so far, but things could change. And it is important that everyone takes Devontae Adams' advice. Wash your hands, wash your butt, man. That's it. That's, that's all. That's, tell, that's what I tell everybody. Those are two things you got to make sure you keep those clean. We'll be all right. It's not just if you're at risk because young people can carry the virus and put potentially the, the vulnerable at risk. And you may see someone on the street and not know that they're immunosuppressed, that they are fighting an illness, or that they have can't. There are so many reasons why we all have to protect ourselves because it's not just about protecting ourselves, it's about protecting each other. All right, to the football part of this. 
and we have a lot of football to get to. Yahoo Sports' Charles Robinson reported this week that the number for Brian Bulaga will be closer to $12 million a year, and that almost certainly prices him out of the range for the Green Bay Packers. Ten a year would probably have been more than the Packers were willing to pay, especially on a short-term deal. Now, that brings into play all of the scenarios we've discussed over the course of the last few weeks. There is mutual interest between the Packers and Jared Valdir. That is an intuitive match on a one-year deal or a two-year deal while the Packers get a plan in place, while they go out in the draft and find someone, whether it's the first round, second round, third round. It also allows us to have a clearer picture of the amount of cap dollars the Packers have to spend. And the expectation is from people around the team and from people around the league that they are going to spend it. They are going to spend it as aggressively as they can. Now, Shale Capadia at The Athletic put together his list of the likely destinations for the top 100 free agents, and he put Brian Bulaga in Los Angeles with the Chargers, reuniting him with former Packers offensive line coach James Campen, and the Chargers have a boatload of money to spend. It makes sense for them to allocate resources that way. On Shale's list for the Packers, Austin Hooper, who Rob Domofsky reported was a sort of T1A free agent for the Packers, someone who will be top of their list. Bill Huber reported their number one linebacker target is Corey Littleton. Both of those guys are expected to command top dollar. It could be the case that if they're able to land Hooper, and let's say they prioritize Hooper, we don't know which one is at the top of their list, if it's Hooper or Littleton, or if all of that is just conjecture, speculation, and leverage created by agents. There is so much smoke out there, we are finding it difficult to know what to believe. But let's say that they're able to get a deal done with Hooper. Does that change the way that they approach the rest of their signings? Because you're probably going to have to give Hooper 10, 11 plus million. Okay, the other player on Shale's list was Nick Kwiatkowski, someone who has been linked to the Packers before, someone that I've been told the Packers are going to at least call about and check in on. The expectation is he's going to get eight plus, eight, nine, maybe even get to 10 million. I, I doubt he gets to 10, but he probably gets a robust eight plus and could be a significantly cheaper option, for instance, than Corey Littleton. If Littleton is going to get 13 and Kwiatkowski is going to get eight, that five million is an enormous difference, especially if the Packers want to sign someone else. And on that list, for the Athletic was Rams free agent Michael Brockers. Now, he is coming off an $11 million deal per year. That would be too rich for the Packers, one would think, but he's probably not going to get that on a contract that would bring him into his 30s. He's already had that first big deal, so maybe if you can get him in that 6, 7, 8 range, you know, would you rather have Corey Littleton at 13 or Nick Kwiatkowski and Michael Brockers for 16? I think the answer for that is you'd rather have both players because you probably need to find a running mate either in the draft or free agency for Kenny Clark to shore up the interior of that defensive front. How big a priority do you want that to be? Well, we'll find out by Brian Gutekind's moves in free agency. I think that makes a lot of sense. Target your your tight end, and, and this is something I, I want to bring up too. There's been a lot of pushback 
on Austin Hooper as a priority signing. And it's because he's not George Kittle, he's not Travis Kelsey, he is not a game-changing, field-tilting player on his own. You need to help him get open, you're going to need to use him creatively, and he's just solid. Just solid. Now that said, he was one of the five or six best tight ends in the league last year. He's still a young player. If he can get better, I mean, he's still growing as a player, still evolving. He took on a bigger role in the offense last year for Atlanta and shined doing it was a, a huge red zone target for the Falcons. That's a place where the Packers could use some help. Tight ends take time. So you can say Jay Sternberger, he's talented, go out there and, and here are the keys. And that was sort of how I was thinking earlier in the offseason. And the more that I've thought about it, this is a guy who really just one year of major college football, he gets hurt in preseason, has three catches as a rookie, is really playing more backup fullback than tight end at times, even when he was getting on the field later in the season, are you really going to hand the keys over to this guy? Are you really ready to trust him to be that every down middle of the field target for Aaron Rodgers in a Super Bowl window? You're paying for certainty with a player like Austin Hooper. You're paying for reliability, someone who's going to catch 80-plus percent of targets, who's not going to do anything special, but who is going to get open underneath, and if you throw it to him, is going to catch it, who's a big body, who can get six yards when you need four, and who in the red zone can find holes and can box out smaller defenders to give you scoring opportunities. That person has value. Yes, you're probably going to overpay, but a starting tight end, they paid 11 to Jimmy Graham. He is, he is a much better player at this point in his career than Jimmy Graham. I know fans have football PTSD over this and signing tight ends because of how Martellus Bennett went, because of how Jimmy Graham went. This is not the same player. Remember that. This is not the same player. This is a young, still ascending player in his physical prime who, for the life of his contract, could not only improve but improve with Aaron Rodgers in an offense that is much more suited than the Mike McCarthy offense was to tight ends. Any question about does Aaron Rodgers like to throw to tight ends is garbage. It's silly. Because why, if Aaron Rodgers didn't like to throw to tight ends, would the Packers continue to allocate resources to that position? I mean, try every offseason. Jared Cook, Martellus Bennett, Jimmy Graham, and now it sounds like Austin Hooper, to try and get that player in this offense over two coaching staffs. Maybe it's because Aaron Rodgers would really like that player. When he's had that guy, when he had Jermichael Finley, all he wanted to do was throw to Jermichael Finley. And he was so happy. He, to a fault, trusted Jimmy Graham. So this idea that, oh, if they, if they sign Austin Hooper, Aaron Rodgers is just going to not throw to him. No, the point is to sign someone that Rodgers will trust that can make the catch when you throw it to him. And it, the, the plus side is you're getting someone who's coming from an offense that has a ton of crossover to this one. Matt LaFleur has coached him, so it makes sense. If you're if you're paying that premium for free agent prices, let's say Austin Hooper's only worth eight or nine million. Well, if you have to pay him eleven, it's a tax. It's not that big a deal. It's a certainty tax. You're paying for certainty. And speaking of paying for certainty. And all of the, the things that come with free agency and the conversations around it. I think, first of all, it is amazing. Someone pointed this out to me on Twitter that that we are, for really the third offseason in a row, talking about free agents. 
guys the Packers could sign. And it's pretty clear that this was Ted Thompson, not Russ Ball, pulling the purse strings. Because in this new format, Mark Murphy is at the top of everything. And Russ Ball has is a is a close friend of Mark Murphy's. They have an excellent professional relationship. Russ Ball would not be making these signings if he thought it was imprudent to do so. So it must have been Ted Thompson who was against some of this stuff. Russ Ball has proven that he is one of the most adept managers of money in the league. And the salary cap is something that we talk about a lot. And I don't want to get bogged down in the minutia of the cap and the way it can be manipulated. But Andrew Brandt said something on Twitter the other day that I thought was fascinating. And remember, Andrew Brandt used to work in the Packers front office negotiating contracts. He said, basically, if a team is saying we don't have the cap space, it's like uh, someone you're trying to date and they keep saying they're busy. At a certain point, they're just not that into you because the cap question is not really that big a deal. And I echoed that, and I got some pushback on it, and I think I think in some ways fairly, because what I meant to say, and, and the point that I mean to convey here that I think is important, a team can add whomever it wants at any time, okay? At any time. They never don't have the money. What they have is a difficult decision to make. Because if the Packers wanted to go out and sign Austin Hooper and Corey Littleton and Amari Cooper, let's just say, they could do it. They could do it. But you'd have to cut Corey Lindsley. You'd have to, you'd probably have to part with players you don't want to part with. And that makes it an untenable trade-off for you. But the problem isn't that the Packers don't have the cap room to do it. It's that they don't have the appetite to move on from players already on their roster in favor of adding money for those players. If they thought that Amari Cooper was the guy that was going to get them over the top, but the salary cap was preventing them from getting there, they would cut the player that they needed to cut to get there. Now, the Packers, over the years, have not had to do this on a regular basis because they manage the cap well. They move on from players who are getting up in age a year or two too early rather than a year or two too late. We saw this with Josh Sitton. We saw this with TJ Lang, no matter what he wants to tell you. And we saw this with Mike Daniels. Now, it means at times walking away from players who turn out to be good. Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde. I will always insist that the big failures there were, were more on Dom Capers than they were on Ted Thompson and Russ Ball because it was failures by Capers to maximize those players that led to the team deciding they didn't have sufficient value to be prioritized. But that is what happens. You're prioritizing players. If the Packers needed to restructure Corey Lindsley's contract to sign a player they thought would be really good, they would try and do that. And if they felt it was necessary, they would cut him if they thought it made the team better. The salary cap is meant to give teams a framework. They said, here is the amount of money that you have to work with, but from year to year, it's fungible, it's changeable, and and there are teams that prove this every year. The Saints, every year, we say, oh, the Saints, I don't know what they're going to do in the the offseason. They don't have a lot of money. 
And then they go out and they sign a big-name free agent seemingly every offseason. And you're waiting, how did they do that? Well, they planned. This is, this is how the Packers work, too. They, depending on what they need, will either front or backload contracts. And when they need to move on from players, they do. So it used to be that when you had a lot of salary cap and you were Ted Thompson, you could front load contracts because you didn't use free agency. So you would sign these these four or five year deals that were really two or three year deals because all the guaranteed money came up front. And that made it easy for you to not sign free agents because all your money every year was tied up in your roster. Now, if you're going to do what the Packers are doing and you're going to sign these big deals, well, last year, the Packers signed a number of big name free agents, but their cap hits in 2019 were all relatively low. All those cap hits jump in 2020 and they really jump in 2021. Well, in 2021, if the Packers need that space, if the media rights deal has not ballooned, which it's likely to do, and the salary cap has not gone up by a commensurate amount, then you can renegotiate those deals and re-spread that money out because you can spread out signing bonus as guaranteed money. And so if you are cycling through players and you only have one or two big guys up every offseason and you only sign you know, a handful of guys each offseason as free agents and you don't have these, these big gaps in your cap where you're missing on rookies and you don't have anyone to bring back. I mean, that was what really caused the Packers to have this cap space last year. 2019 is four years after 2015. And the 2015 draft class was disastrous. So the Packers didn't have good players to re-sign. So they had a bunch of money. If you draft well, you have to extend your own players. And so this was what happened with Ted Thompson is for a long time, he was drafting really well. And so you have to sign Randall Cobb. You have to sign Jordy Nelson. You have to sign Aaron Rodgers. You have to give top dollar to Clay Matthews. And if you get a little unlucky and someone like Nick Perry signs a huge deal and then can't stay healthy, now you've created some problems for yourself. But they're all manageable. And the Packers have found ways over and over to manage them. They're in a different position now because of that lack of drafting success. They haven't had to get these big extensions for guys. They did their their Devontae Adams extension early. And now he looks like a bargain. They're going to have a ton of money next offseason, even with some of the big contracts that they have. Well, could they look to extend Aaron Jones? Could they, you know, what is the Kenny Clark extension going to look like? There's always ways to fit these pockets of money into their correct cubbies as you're projecting forward. You, you probably remember, you know, late in Brett Favre's career, he was always restructuring his deal. And he was restructuring his deal to give the team more flexibility to go out and sign guys in late stages so they could make a Super Bowl run. Drew Brees, last few years, if he wanted to max out the market, he could. And yet he's, he's taken a little bit of a haircut so that the Saints could go get guys. Aaron Rodgers, yes, he cashed in at the top of the market. But by the end of this season, he's not going to be top of market anymore. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes. He might get almost $40 million. And Aaron Rodgers, not even the highest paid guy in the league in 2020. These contracts, because the cap keeps going up, they look better every year. So you can say, oh, well, they're backloading these deals. That's a problem. Well, maybe if these guys are good, if Zadarius Smith keeps playing like this, 
He's worth that money. There's just no question he's worth that money. He's worth the money already because you got him on this cheap season. And it's good the Packers maximized at least, you know, to the point that they they used their luck. They got to the NFC Championship game. They won a bunch of games. They recreated this culture because Darius Smith is going to have to keep playing like that to make sure his contract continues to be worth it. But if you sign the right guys and you keep the the rotation intact, as the Packers have for a decade and a half now, you don't run into the kind of salary cap problems that teams like the Vikings, the Bears, and the Jaguars have where they have to be shedding a bunch of salary just to get into a manageable position, not even to sign anybody, but just to get back to, to even and then figure out what they're going to do from there. All right, Match Nyman is going to be on the show tomorrow to talk about free agency. And I'm going to take your questions as well. But Matt is someone who has, has offered his thoughts, his prognostications about how the Packers are going to handle this offseason. Uh, I think some people have taken what he said a little bit out of context. So I'm going to give him the chance to write the uh, the record on that one and and talk a little bit about what the Packers' plans could be, what he's been hearing about what's going on. And we're going to talk more about that Shell Capadia list in The Athletic, some of those guys and, and what the Packers could be looking to do there. Also talk about what the Packers could be looking to do in the draft and how free agency and the draft interact based on what he's heard and, and what the team could be looking for. So a lot more to get to this week. A reminder, please take care of yourself, take care of the people around you, wash your hands. Practice social distancing if you're not already. Keep listening to the podcast. We're going to keep churning out content. The great thing about a podcast is we can maintain this relationship. And I can I can do this from my place. You can listen at your place. You're working from home or you're, you're taking care of your family or you're doing whatever you need to do. You're driving. Whatever you need to do, we're going to keep doing this. And as a community, we're going to make it through all of this. It, it, I know it's a little overwhelming, it's a little scary, it's a little hard to understand, it's surreal, no one knows what to believe, and I know I find myself in that position often, trying to figure out, what it, am I taking this serious enough, or am I taking it too seriously? I have, I really have no way of knowing because I'm not a doctor. And so I just, I want, I want people to, to be smart, be safe, and take care of each other. If you're gonna be spending more time inside or more time looking at your phone, hey, you know what you could do? Follow me on Twitter, follow the podcast on Twitter, Subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you're getting the latest from Locked On Packers. Subscribe to our newsletter. We're curating the best content from the around the internet or about the Green Bay Packers and delivering it to your email address. So go sign up. I tweet the link every Thursday. You can find it on MailChimp. If you search Locked On Packers, it's there as well. So check that out. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.